Welcome to the Ashoka Systems Change Podcast, a new six-part podcast series from Ashoka, the world's largest network of social entrepreneurs. My name is Fergal Barron, and together with Odin Mullenbein, lead of the systems unit at Ashoka Globalizer, we explore some of the key ideas and approaches used by social entrepreneurs to achieve systems change. In these interviews, we discuss key dimensions of systems thinking, like approaches to collaboration, leadership, and crucially funding, through the experience of Ashoka Changemakers, working as systems entrepreneurs. These interviews were completed prior to the onset of Corona-19, but the topics that we discuss are probably more relevant than ever. Once the worst is over, there will be an even greater need for system change, especially in the healthcare and education systems, but also in the workplace and many other areas. In the first two episodes of this series, for example, we focus on the importance of working in networks and coalitions, which will undoubtedly be vital for social change efforts going forward. Also, access to funding, discussed in the final episode, will be essential to provide flexibility for social entrepreneurs to adjust to the situation at hand. Hi, Odin. Hi, Fergal. So I'm very much looking forward to the upcoming interviews on this new podcast series on systems change. But before we jump into discussing the details and getting a perspective on systems change, maybe perhaps could you give us a little bit of background about your role at Ashoka and the aims of Ashoka Globalizer? I'm a partner at Ashoka Germany, and I'm the lead of the systems unit at Ashoka Globalizer, an international strategy accelerator program, where over the course of 14 weeks, we develop systems change strategy with social entrepreneurs from around the world. Right, right. Now, can you tell us a little bit about systems change and why it matters? Hmm. That question alone would probably take a few hours to answer comprehensively, but basically, it's well captured by a quote of the founder of Ashoka, Bill Drayton, who said that the social entrepreneur is not content with giving people fish or teaching people how to fish. They will not rest until they have revolutionized the fishing industry. And that sums it up, I think. So the idea is to not just look at the symptoms of social problems, but to tackle the underlying systemic root causes that are responsible for the symptoms in the first place. So when we talk about systems change, we, are, we want to have impact that lasts longer, that actually tackles social problems and not just takes a look at the symptoms over and over again. And of course, that has a lot of implications that we want to look at in this podcast, including how to even think about impact, then uh, how to make it happen and, and all these related questions. Very interesting. So how is that different from how we traditionally think about social enterprise? And we are going to hear a few examples in the following episodes, but to just pick up one or two. Jordan Casselo, the founder, founder of Vision Spring and iLines, will tell us that with the traditional approach of making eyeglasses available to people who need it, he reached a few million people, which is the traditional approach of the business world, right? Um, making products and services available to people who need them. And then he realized that actually that's not enough. Uh, that will never be enough to reach the hundreds of millions of people who need eyeglasses. And so he switched his approach to um, work more on a systems level. And what he then did is uh, influence the U.S. Uh, foreign policy, for example, to include budget line items so that um, glasses become an element in uh, in development policies or uh, to bring together different actors uh, internationally to influence um, healthcare systems in countries in, in Africa and Asia. So 
it's shifting away from just reaching individual people who are affected by a social problem and instead looking at the systems that put these people in this position in the first place. Another example would be Jerubili Moria, the founder of Aflatoon and then CYFI, two organizations that promote financial literacy for children and youth. And first, she was um, operating a direct service approach, reaching millions of children directly with, with service hotlines and educational programs. And then with the CYFI, a much, much smaller organization, actually, she just coordinated yeah, systemic networks, as we call them, in different countries to achieve policy changes so that financial literacy becomes part of the official curriculum, to make sure that banks offer child-friendly banking products. So to, to really change the education system, the banking system, all the related systems to make financial literacy the norm for, for hundreds of millions of people who grow up. And that ultimately is way more effective than spreading the direct service approach, the, you know, the classes and the materials on financial literacy to a few million more people directly. Can you describe the globalizer process, Odin? The globalizer process is divided in two parts. The first seven weeks, we only look at the system change part of the impact strategy. So that means what is the, how does the system look like? Which elements of the system could we change? Like, is it maybe a policy or a practice or a relationship between actors? Like, what is this thing that, if we changed it, would lead to much better results uh, that the system produces on an ongoing basis. And then we think backwards, like what are the milestones to achieve that change? Which partners do we need to involve? What are the networks that we need to create? What's the credibility that we need to build, et cetera, et cetera. And then in the second half, the second seven weeks, we look at implementation. So based on these insights, we ask ourselves, so what do we need to do now to actually make all of that happen? And by doing this for a few years now, we have learned a lot from our fellows uh, and their teams who actually did the strategies and implemented them and shared their feedback. And this podcast is our attempt to share some of the learnings that we captured over the years. Very exciting. Ashok has been a key actor in the development of the field of social entrepreneurship. Are there a few things you've learned over this time? You're right. Uh, for 40 years, we have been looking at social entrepreneurs from the perspective of systems change. So before we select any social entrepreneur into our network, we ask very explicitly, what's the system that you want to change and in what way and what's your strategy for doing that? Um, that we have almost 4,000 fellows across the globe, of course, some patterns emerge. And there are interesting patterns in different content areas. So we see a lot of overlap in approaches on how to activate communities or how to achieve policy changes or how to build whole new fields. And that's all very interesting, but there's one insight that really stands out. And that's if we zoom out a little bit, then actually the vast majority of systems changes that our social entrepreneurs achieve make sure that many more people can be change makers. Now, a changemaker is a person who actively contributes to changing society. And in some way or another, pretty much all social entrepreneurs do that. And we find that quite interesting. So if you take one great example that we are going to feature uh, on the show is Candice Paris, the founder of Truckers Against Trafficking. That organization mobilized almost a million truck drivers in the U.S. to look out for human trafficking 
behavior on U.S. highways. And that is just a very elegant way of turning almost a million truckers into changemakers when it comes to fighting crime and human trafficking in particular. And similar things happen for almost all social entrepreneurs. And, and we found that so inspiring that actually it was the reason why we broadened our vision. So Ashoka started as maybe the founder or an organization that kickstarted the idea of social entrepreneurship. And now we moved on to a vision where everyone on this planet becomes a change maker. And social entrepreneurs are the main inspiration uh, for that change. So Ashoka is a network of social entrepreneurs and an important player in the ecosystem. How do others see it? I have to be um, quite generic here, of course, because the social entrepreneurship ecosystem is very diverse and growing. But uh, some trends that are important from my perspective. The first thing is that the idea of social business is quite prominent. I think that's because it's the easiest version of social entrepreneurship to grasp from a business perspective. So social business are um, for-profit entities that sell a certain product or service and also do some good along the way. And that's great. That's definitely needed. And it's it's uh, nice to see this area of social entrepreneurship growing. It is not, however, what we would call systems entrepreneurship, at least not always necessarily. And we are going to talk about the difference uh, in these different podcast episodes. And what we would like to do is to give yeah, the, the idea of systems entrepreneurship a bit more prominence. We want to make sure that it's not forgotten. For Ashoka, this has been the focus uh, since its beginning for 40 years. Um, and then social business took over as a concept. And we want to make sure that the system's angle um, tackling the root causes of social problems is, is not forgotten along the way. And then, of course, there are other elements of the social entrepreneurship ecosystem, like incubators and accelerator programs, foundations and donors, social financing agencies. And for all of these, um, I would say there are role models. There are definitely innovators who already include the idea of systems change in their work. Um, CoImpact is a prominent donor in that area, and we are going to have an interview with Sylvia in this mini-series to talk about how she how she funds systemic initiatives. But overall, there is way too little money being invested in systemic initiatives, and that's what we would like to change. Um, similarly, for the incubators and accelerators, most of them still focus on like business practices, business model canvases, how to grow your ventures, how to sell more uh, sustainably produced products, things like that. And while all of that has a place, um, we would love to see systems change, systems thinking, at least playing some role in these programs so that people can then move into systems entrepreneurship more easily and, and not, not just have the social business route like as an option available to them. Similarly for universities, they too, we believe, should mention the systemic effects that social entrepreneurs can have so that we are not just talking about social enterprises in terms of, you know, how many jobs do they create or how many products do they sell. The, the important thing that social enterprises can bring to society are the social innovations that change systems. The education system, the healthcare system, city planning processes, uh, politics, you name it. And that's what we would like to, to focus on. So over the coming interviews, Odin, we'll be talking to a fascinating group of entrepreneurs and exploring in some detail the systems change work they are doing. But maybe can you give us in advance an idea of some of the key ideas here, some of the skills or approaches that are necessary, and maybe how they might 
differ from traditional social entrepreneurship? We sometimes say that there are three qualities uh, that are important for uh, systemic work as a social entrepreneur, and those are systems thinking, the right ambition, and openness. And this is also what we will be talking about in these episodes. Uh, systems thinking, quite obviously, maybe is a different way of, yeah, of thinking about the impact that you have, the systems that you want to tackle, um, to really understand the relationships between the different actors, the norms and the policies and what goes in, what comes out, what the feedback loops are, etc. And we are going to hear some, some great examples how systems thinking can really change the way that you do your work. Then there's the right ambition. So you you need to want to be a systems entrepreneur for the right reasons. You need this is a this comes out of an ethos of service and network leadership, I believe. Uh, and this is this is hard to explain in a vacuum. This is where the stories are going to be really handy. So we will hear about um, Mike Zani, for example really being passionate about changing the voter registration system in the UK, why it's so important and why he does everything in service of that change. And finally, there's this idea of openness, which is related to the ability to give up control. Um, if you want to have impact on a systems level, this is, uh, this is very important and quite different from traditional ways of leading and, and achieving something. And here we are going to hear from, from many of the social entrepreneurs, actually Jordan and Giroux, um, who will tell us about how they created networks um, that then moved on to collective decision making, where they only played one of the roles try to stay in the background whenever it was helpful or needed. And yeah, the, the whole the whole personal development side um, for the social entrepreneurs will, will become obvious here. And these are all elements that we at Ashoka are also increasingly looking at um, when we work with the Ashoka Fellows that we support in our networks. Thank you for that overview, Odin. And we'll be back again very soon with the second episode of the Systems Change podcast. Looking very much forward to it. Thank you for listening to the Ashoka Systems Change podcast. We hope you found it interesting. If you enjoyed this episode, please do help spread the word on social media. And also, we would love it if you could leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you use. If you'd like to find out more, please visit ashoka.org. The opinions in this podcast are personal and do not necessarily reflect Ashoka's position. Nothing said in this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice.